This is the Ezra Podcast. And it was a big week. It was a big week for fighting, but it was a big week for me. It was a bigger week for me than it was for fighting. Um, I put a post out there. Uh, I usually do. Um, I put a post out there of like my opinions or rankings of certain topics, whatever comes to my mind that week or you know whatever is relevant that week. And this week, Max Holloway was fighting and Max Holloway self-proclaimed, but something I proclaimed before his fight, that he was the best boxer uh, in MMA and UFC. I had claimed that in a podcast before he had fought, uh, fought Calvin Cater. I, I put that out there. And then in the fight, he says, I'm the best boxer in the UFC. And I was like, I just said that. Because a lot of people were saying that Calvin Cater boxing was better than Max. And I, and where he had some of the best boxing in the, in the UFC. And when I broke it down, I was like, no, actually, Max is better. But no one was saying this. I said this first. Now I come out the list. And, uh, and Max was fighting this week. So I said, I'm going to come out the list of the best boxers in the UFC. My list was Peter Yan, number one, who he had taken the crown, in my opinion. Max Holloway, number two. Conor McGregor, number three, who I think is diminished in boxing. Uh, I think the, the more he's trying to focus on becoming like a slugger, uh, a pressure fighter, uh, he's diminished. His boxing skills have diminished. And when they, they, to what they were when he fought, I guess, Floyd or before Floyd. So I think he's number three in the list. Then I had Jose Aldo, which people had a problem with. Um, I think if you have a problem with it, it's because you're thinking of Conor McGregor knocking him out in 15 seconds. I get that. And you're not paying attention to what he's doing lately. And you're not paying attention to how his game has changed. And he's gotten away from leg kick. And he's way more dependent on boxing more than ever. And his last fight was just like a, a great performance in combination punching. Um, so I think Jose Aldo is, is, is really up there. Uh, and my number five was Nate Diaz. And I, I never thought I'd get this much pushback for having Nate Diaz on there. And when I first made the list, Nate Diaz wasn't on my list. Volkanovski was going to be number five. But then I thought about it, and I thought I would get too much pushback for not having Nate. Because Nate's sole offense standing up is boxing. So I thought, how could I not have him on there? He's also beat Conor McGregor in a fight with just his hands. He also won to war with Conor McGregor in a fight with mainly just his hands. And most of the guys, when he fights at 155, he outstrikes. I mean, he hasn't really been outstrike at 155 since, what, Stephen Wonderboy? Uh, I mean, Stephen, uh, Josh Thompson, sorry. Josh Thompson. So, I, 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 the pushback we're getting, and I get it because he doesn't look all that impressive. But I never thought that I would get that from MMA fans. I thought I would get that more from boxing fans. But MMA fans were completely against it. It was the number one comment was, I'm completely against Nate Diaz. They were laughing that Nate Diaz had made this list. And I just... The way I would explain it is this. If you have a good look at a guy like Cody Garbrandt, who technically, when he hits the pads, looks a lot better than what Nate Diaz does. I give you that. When he hits a bag, he looks better. His footwork looks better. But when it actually is applied, Nate Diaz is more effective with his boxing than Cody is with his. Now, Nate probably doesn't do it the textbook way. He probably has a lot of flaws in his game. He probably looks sloppy. It probably doesn't look all that impressive when you look at it. But it's effective. And I will choose effectiveness over you hitting a bag and looking good, uh, looking nice when you hit a bag any day of the week. That's the way I choose it. And when Cody uh, Garbrandt fights, the, he's missing key parts of this game that you can't see. And that's why his game diminishes when it's in an actual fight. Nate Diaz's game, it picks up. And it picks up later in the fight. And he's also rocking guys at 170. 
In the fight, and I understand you're like, oh, he got lost. All these fights. Well, he's fighting at 170. He's fighting at division he shouldn't be at because he no longer wants to cut weight. I took all these things into account. I didn't just make a list and throw names out there. I would never do that. I feel comfortable with my list. I think Volkanovski is a close five. I think Poirier is, uh, I mean, Poor, uh, Volkanovski is number six, close to five, and I think Poirier is number seven. Now, Giannis is coming up. He fights, uh, he's, he has a fight coming up either next week or coming in the coming weeks. But he hasn't beat anyone. I was also looking at Aspinall, but he hasn't beat anyone either. They're coming. Yes, the boxing is getting better in MMA. I'll admit that. But I, I stand by that list. And that list blew up. And it blew up with Conor McGregor responding to it. Then Conor McGregor got into a Peter Yan over that list. And who the better boxer was. And then Conor McGregor gets in with Usman. He gets in with Masvidal. And it was a, it, it stole headlines for MMA for, I would say, you know, for Friday and Saturday until the fights happen. I, I, I own the thing with that post. You know, you never know which one's going to do it. And that one did it. And uh, I, I think it was good because Max Holloway was fighting and he was a self-proclaimed best boxer in the uh, UFC. Let's get into the Max Holloway fight. Max Holloway fights Yair Rodriguez in a fight that, to me, in all respect to Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje, all respect to Volkanovski versus Brian Ortega, this is the fight of the year. And why I say that, let me explain, is because, first of all, I felt like Yair was always in the fight. He always had a chance to win it. And Brian Ortega, if he doesn't fall into a guillotine and then pull a triangle, I don't think he ever has a chance to win that fight. I really feel like that fight is really one-sided. And it was a beating that he took similar to the Max Holloway. And we could be impressed with the guy that absorbs that much punches and takes beating and keeps coming. But the truth is it's a one-sided fight. And the excitement was he fell into a submission, but he didn't land the submission. Volkanovski pulls out of it. And that's... That's brought the only thing that happens that makes it not one-sided fight. Gaethje versus Mike Chandler, very entertaining fight, great fight. I don't think that the skill level was as high as what Max Holloway Yair Rodriguez was. I don't think the tactical, the, tech, the technicians that were in there were as good as what Max Holloway Yair Rodriguez were. And Rodriguez was always in this fight. And he did things that I didn't think he possibly do. He combination with punches on Max, and Max could not get the, out of the way of him. And his kick to the leg um, were extremely effective. A thing I want to say about the kicks to the leg is that, and I've seen this numerous times now that I feel comfortable saying it, people are muscling through it. People are muscling through it. I've seen it a few times now. And Max Holloway muscled through that. Now, Yair broke his foot, which is fair game because if you're kicking my leg, well, if you injure yourself doing it, that's on you. Also, Max Holloway his offense was tighter. And I said that going into this fight. The Yair's offense is wide. It's, it's a lot of motion. It's a lot of things going on. And it's good, right? It's good in in spurts. But when you're doing it consistently like that, and Max always just, everything's tight, and he's just putting pressure on you, and he adds a takedown in. Those little tight things are going to, it's going to add up when you're trying to do those wide things, and you get tired, and it takes a lot of motion. And, get, and Max is just one, two, one, two, one, two, hooks to get to the body, uh, tight takedowns. All that's going to... Of course, his, his game was going to be way more effective going later in the fight. I already knew that. Now, I didn't expect this fight to be as close as it was. I didn't expect Yair to be as effective as he was with his hands. Or even everything he did. He was extremely effective. I didn't expect the leg kick to even be that devastating. Now, I knew that the leg kicks and body kicks were going to have to be important in this fight. And I don't believe he ever really went to the body kick. Now, that could be through the injury of his foot. But I thought he had to put some money in the bank when he fought Max with some body kicks. 
Now, I told you Yair Rodriguez's leg, in combinations with his leg kicks and is how fast his kicks come and how like, loose they come. Like if someone was punching, that's how his kicks come. That's that's the true in the thing. And that's a lot. Give that Max a hard time with that. But Max just stood consistent with the pressure, with the solid technique, with the tight, compact strikes. And he broke down Yair. And when he got the takedown, that was key. It was key, key, key to winning those rounds and guaranteeing those rounds in his favor. Now, Max and um, Volker, they're going through good fights. Um, they're cl- clearly winning them, but they're, they're going through good fights and good fighters. But th- it's clear that they're uh, a step above the competition at uh, 145. And I, I, you know, there's a plenty of challenges that are going to come in, in the MMA and in the UFC, especially. Is there always going to be a new batch of guys that come? There'll be interesting matchups, but I think we need a we need to finish this trilogy off between Max and Volkanovski. I was coming up with a list on who everybody should fight next, and I was going to say Max versus Connor. It just seemed like it was heading that direction. Connor was posting, Max was talking. Max is, you know, he deserves a big fight. He deserves mega fights when he could get him when the UFC could get to him. But I looked at the division and I just said there was no way around it. There was no one that was close to a title shot without at least winning one more. And Volkanovski and Max Holloway, their last fights are right next to each other. It's just a fight you need to see. And I believe that Max got better and I believe Volkanovski got better and I believe if they get in the ring, it's gonna be highly skilled, high level, and two guys are still uh, right in the middle of their prime. And still, sky's the limit for both of them. And I just think that although the fights are competitive with these guys, they're still above the competition at this weight. Yari Rodriguez, I would love, love, and I think that he is stock raised for sure in this loss. And I do want to talk about losing to uh, fighting high-level guys and losing to them, that it's not a detriment to your career. It's actually better for your career. Look at Brian Ortega, who's taken two terrible losses, right? Terrible beatings. But they're against the best guys in the world in Max Holloway, Volkanovski. And now he's considered like at that level in losses. Fighting incredible guys is it's only going to be good for your career. Gary Rodriguez in this fight proved that he is at that level. Now, is he better than Max? No. But he's at that level to compete. Now, I think I would like Gary to fight Brian Ortega. I think the two guys coming off losses, um, coming off great fights. And I think that if people, you know, people... When you, you the la- their lasting impression with the you know most recent impression you left on someone, that's what they're gonna think of when they see you. And when they see these two guys, they're gonna be like, oh, these guys go to war. Um, two Mexican fighters, uh, creative striking, creative ground game, willing to take chances, and they match them up. That's a a mega fight to me. That's a, a humongous fight. I think that fight will gain a lot of traction. It's it's a fight that you know. If you told me, and I know the UFC won't do this, but if you told me that that was a main event of a pay-per-view, I'd pay for it. I think that's an excellent fight, and I think that the winner of that can easily go next for the title shot. And that's in losses. That's coming off losses going into a fight. I, with that, to me, that's the fight of the year. Just high level, um, close, and it, it was a technical fight. It was There was skill. It wasn't wild. It wasn't just... You know, strikes for no reason. Everything was thought out, and it was paced perfectly. And you know, these things a lot like you know WWE wrestling matches, right? I understand the wrestling matches are fake, but they're, they have to be paced a certain way to be like a a, a great wrestling match. It has to tell a story, and this fight told a story. It told a story of Yair Rodriguez's creativeness, right, and him stepping into this level of a fight, and then it showed Max Holloway's experience. And showing that he will get away from what he does. He does not, you know, he'll go to war, but 
he'll also add in the takedown. He'll also look for the ground and pound. He'll look for secure the rounds. It told a story. It built up uh, correctly, and it came to it came to the final round where Yair was doing good stuff in that round. It's a round you could give Yair. It was beautifully uh, a beautiful fight. My fight of the year, and I think there's going to come great fights out of this fight. And I think that right now 145 is very interesting, very interesting fight, uh, division. But I think Max Holloway and Volkanovski have to settle this. Um, you know who the better man is? Because I think number two is controversial. Number one, I think more people agree Volkanovski won that one. Number two, people feel like Max was robbed. Let's settle at number three. And that's another trilogy that's based off of two losses, similar to um, similar to uh, Tyson Fury versus uh, Wilder. Let's go to the next fight. Um, let's go to the boxing card. We have Jaime Munguia versus Gabe Rosado. And in a fight that I didn't think was going to be that entertaining. Now, I thought it was a great matchup. And I thought it was an interesting matchup. And I thought going in, it was matchmaking at its best. It, it had a story. It caught each guy at the right time. They were a perfect match for each other. But I didn't think they would be exciting. I thought that Gabe Rosado was going to have to kind of make this not a fight for it to be... Um, for him to be competitive in it. And that was not what he went in there to do. Now, maybe he tried to do that early, but it turned out it broke out into a fight. And I think that he saw that he wasn't going to be able to stop Mangia's, uh from coming forward. And once he did that, he said, okay, then I'm I'm going to sit on it. And we're going to trade some big shots. And I'm not going to be able to work as hard, maybe as often as you are, but I'm going to land the bigger, cleaner shots. And at points he did, but uh, Jaime Mangia is vastly improved. And... And a guy that I thought was just extremely limited, and I never really believed the hype on him or, you know, never believed that he was ever going to be like a world champion or a world beater in any way. I think Golden Boy kind of showed their um, masterclass of promoting a fighter and bringing him along. That at the point right now where I see him, I'm like, this guy can compete. Now, do I see him ever beating a Canelo or being at that level? No, no, I don't see that. But do I see him? I would favor him right now over Andrade. I would. I think that he's consistent. His legs are a lot better. He's a lot more balanced. He could take a big shot. He has good power. And he's starting to put combinations together. I I like the the package that I'm seeing now with Mangia and uh, Eric Morales showing as a trainer that he could be very effective. Now, Gabe Rosado was a, a valid effort. And this is Gabe Rosado's... Uh, it's what he does. He, he he performs. He gives a good competitive fight. And he complains about the decision at the end. Now, it was clear to me Gabe Rosado lost this fight. But it was... Gabe Rosado is a career fighter. He's a he's a workman-like fighter. He comes in. He, 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 has, uh, he checks in when he fights. He puts in his full eight hours. He earns his pay. And he gets paydays consistently because of that. And I thought that this was a, a, a brilliant performance to him, even in a loss. He just was never going to have the firepower to keep up in this fight. And he's always been limited enough. He's like, you know, not great defensively, not great offensively. He just, he's a well-rounded fighter, but he's not great at anything. And he's not, some of the things he's barely good at. And that's always, the, they always uh, peaks his ugly head in these type of fights like this. And Jaime just had too much for him. I think the Rosado, he's, he's at the point to, you know, we could call it a career. He's had some... He has some decent paydays. He he has a lot of he has a lot of you know decent fights. He's had a lot of opportunities, a lot of TV time. I think it's a career that 
be proud of. I think it's a beautiful thing in boxing. We celebrate, you know, legends and stuff like that. But I think Gabe Rosado is a person who needs to be celebrated in boxing of what he what he brings and how he treats the game and how he respects it. And just you know, it's it's hard to tell a lot of the great guys' stories this era without talking about Gabe Rosado because he's fought mostly all of them. Now, Magia is um, there's no going back. Like I said, once he he had this fight. And this performance and the main event and the feel of it, there's no going back. He has to fight credible guys now. And at middleweight, there's Charlo, but he's not going to get Charlo. Charlo's going to fight. Canelo is going to be moving up. You have uh, Golovkin, who's going to be fighting Murata uh, December 29th on the zone. And that's a you know interesting fight, a fight that I think people are, you know, they think it's like a pick em. Uh, I mean, they think it's like an easy fight for Golovkin for some reason. And I don't think Murata is like a world beater, but I think he's a credible, heavy, a credible middleweight. And I think at this point, where Triple G's career, he's definitely on the downside of it. Now I don't know how what he has left in every month that goes by, every year that goes by, he's declining. There's no doubt about it. So there's that fight, right? If, if Triple G walks out of that fight and wins, him and Jaime Mangia is instant fireworks. Um, it's. Triple G versus a credible opponent midway, which we've been asking for, even though I think Murata is. Also, the fight that I think it makes most sense is Andrade. Andrade needs a big opponent. He's been asking for a name. Munguia is a name now. Munguia Cassell and Andrade would be um, the mix who's fighting a Golden Boy fighter uh, against, uh, coming up. He has the style that what people would say Munguia has no chance against. And now that Munguia's at this level, he's he showed up. He's... He can't avoid styles anymore. He's got to go f- fight just the names, the champs, the the guys that are respected at that weight division. And Andrade, Andrade, uh, Andrade is respected at that weight division. He's, you know, some people consider him like a boogeyman of some sort. The people avoid him. The Canelo avoids him. The, the Charles avoid him. If Magia can go and put it on him, it'd be huge. And I think that that's a fight that, to me, I would favor him in. And I wouldn't have said that, you know, before this fight. I wouldn't have said that. But... Well, the things I see Mungia putting in in his power and the way he takes shots and keeps coming and the way he has a bounce on his legs, I, I just think that he might be a little more of a problem than we uh, than we previously thought. On the undercard, we had William Cepeda, who is uh, becoming a name. And I just looked at his Twitter and he has about 100 followers, which is, you know, uh, shocking to me that, you know, I don't know why these promoters don't, you know, hire social media people for their fighters. And show them how to do it and get them in the right thing and get them followers, get the right content out there. But whatever, he does it. And William Cepeda is an interesting fighter and had to earn, you know, earn all the things that he's getting. And he's got power and his combinations and he's a technical fighter. And he fought uh, John uh, Mora or Morald. I don't know how to say anything. John Vicente Morald. And it was a one-sided fight. And the guy, it wasn't like John didn't have skill. He did have some skill. He still had some tricks. But Cepeda was just above him. He was above him as a fighter. And now he can really get matched up with some legit fighters. And the matchup I was thinking was Jorge Leonardo. And Leonardo is coming off a, a loss to uh, Devin Haney. But in a fight that where he hurt Devin Haney, it was competitive. And I think that that rolls his stock. Like I said, you lose to good guys. It's still good for your career. It keeps you relevant. And people know who you are. And especially when you're competitive in those fights. So I think William Cepeda... It's not too big for that fight where he's like, oh, you're fighting a guy that's coming off loss. No, it's it's good for his name. Like I say, he has 100 followers. People don't really know who Alonso Cepeda is. 
might know more since yesterday, but against a guy like Linares, Linares' name power will carry some value for him. And he needs to bring him along, and you know that Linares isn't at his A game anymore, but he still, like I said, gave Devin Haney trouble. So if you can blow through Linares, then that's a, like a measuring stick for Devin Haney, and you're like, oh, well, maybe this guy can give Devin Haney some problems. I love that fight. I think it's a fight that should be made. wouldn't be surprised that's where Golden Boy goes with this, in this direction. Now, I heard Linares is no longer with Golden Boy, but... I don't see a lot of great offers coming for Leonardo's in fights, and I think that's a that'll be a very good offer. I do want to talk about another DAZN card, Kiko Martinez, big upset over Kid Galahad. And as I was talking about how you're losing to credible fighters, losing to great fighters, it doesn't hurt your career. But what does hurt your career is losing to a guy that's supposed to be a tuna fight or a stay busy fight, and Kiko Martinez is not a high level fighter he's a credible fighter he's a journeyman he's a he's a man that takes his sport seriously he's a he's a legit he's a boxer like he's a professional but he's not at a high level he is not considered to be a threat for a title shot and kid galahad who's coming off uh you know a really big win versus jazza diggins takes his kiko martinez fight and everybody's like why what's the point he's gonna kill him and so it, it going in it does nothing for kid galahad you know, he may get a little payday, and Dazon may think, like, I can sell tickets for this fight, right? Just off of Galahad's name. But it does nothing for his career. It does nothing for him, like, as far as making his next fight bigger. It does nothing for him as, you know, make his next payday bigger. It does nothing. It's just staying busy. And I don't agree with these. I do not agree with these. Because of the risk. And this is what happens. Kiko Martinez ends up sleeping Kid Galahad. Because Kid Galahad stays posing in front of him. Keeps pulling back the same way he came in. And he gets slept. And now Kiko Martinez is, you know, he's going to be do a decent payday for his next fight. Probably in a rematch against Kid Galahad. And Kid Galahad now loses another six months of his career. So he lost three months for this fight. He's going to lose another six months getting ready for this fight, recovering from getting knocked out cold. And it's just stagnantness. And it even, what if, Kid, what if Kiko Martinez has his number? Kiko Martinez is the worst guy to have your number. Because it doesn't do anything. Because he's going to go on and lose to the next guy he fights. It's a high-level fighter. Because that's what he's done his whole career. I don't like tune-up fights. I don't like stay busy fights. If you're at that level, get the biggest payday you possibly can against the, the best guy. And if you lose the best guy, that's fine. It's the best guy. You can go find another guy at that level with a different name. It, it doesn't make a difference. Caleb Plant lost a Canelo. His career's not done. Caleb Plant can fight. Charlo, he can fight. Benavides, he can fight anyone. And people know who Caleb Plant is now. And they know that he was somewhat competitive against Canelo. And if you lose a Canelo, that's fine. Maybe you can work your way back to that position. But you're building a resume for you. You're not building like, oh, I lost Canelo, so my career's done. No, there's plenty of other fighters. Build your own resume. Kid Galahad uh, took a took a dumb fight, and now he had a he had terrible performance, gets knocked out, and his whole career now is in shambles. Off of his biggest win. On the undercard, you have Terry Harper versus Alicia Baumgartner, and from the opening bell. When I saw Bumgarner, I knew that this was a different level of boxer. And Terry Harper, is, I respect Terry Harper very much. I think she's technically very good. I think she's a very good fighter, um, very skilled. But I knew from the opening bout that this was a problem for Terry Harper. And Alicia Bumgarner, I cannot be high, uh, high on enough for what I've seen in this fight. She's a, the next level of women's fighting. And I think that I've always said that women's fighting is the next big growth in boxing. And I think Alicia Baumgartner might be the face of it. And we this is coming off of a week where uh, Michaela Mayer probably had, you know, 
a candidate for fight of the year last week. Uh, another American, right, who is a champ. Now you got Lisa Bumgarner who won, who wins American, and the the sport is shifting. There's 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 a there's a thing you got to pay attention to, like these little shifts, the trends. And I think that Lisa Bumgarner is gonna take this sport uh, by storm. I, I I maybe people, you know, it's a big win. I see like a little bit of noise of it on Twitter, but it's not. People aren't catching it. Of you know, her first of all, her looks, her charisma, the way she fights. She, she, she's very technical, but she's got like the athleticism. She has the explosiveness. That knockout was brutal. She put Terry Harper asleep standing. There, there's something there, and it's something special. And I, I, when I see it, I'm going to call it right away because I want to. I want you to know that I see it. I want you guys to be aware that I'm. I'm seeing. You know, I want. I want credit for it when it happens because this is what's going to happen. Lisa Barnard is going to blow up. She's going to be one of the biggest stars in boxing. I'm going to say it right now. The next card was a Showtime card, and this was uh, setting up a Canelo fight. And this is why this fight was, you know, really attention was brought to this fight. It was David Benavides versus late replacement Kyron Davis. And David Benavides, which his lead-in was the Canelo replay for uh, Caleb Plant. So let's, you know, not too little too on the nose, right, that they're setting up a fight for him and Canelo. And David Benavides, this is set up for him to be the star, for him to show that he's a credible threat. To Canelo, and it does everything it needs to do. And it's funny because this wasn't the original opponent. And the original opponent was more of a pressure fighter, which I think that would be um, trouble for David Benavides. I think David Benavides gets pushed back. I think he'd be in a world of trouble, honestly. I don't think his legs are very good going backwards. I think that he has a lot of mistakes, gets really tall and stiff going backwards. And I don't think he has any offense going backwards. But Cameron Davis went in there and gave him everything he needed to do to look good. He went back. He allowed uh, Benavides to come forward. He allowed Benavides to work. He never made Benavides pay when he was against the ropes, and he got Benavides' back against the ropes. And Benavides looked like a dominant star, and he also has the physical appearance that makes him look like a, a tough challenge to Canelo. He's very tall. He's very fast, and he hits very hard. He looks different when you see him in the ring. He looks like you've never seen a fighter like you've never seen before, and that alone will. Make it a credible sell for against Canelo. Now I think Canelo's just going to push him back and put some damage on him. But this fight, I understand that the ma- the matchmaking, the styles, it makes it an exciting matchup. I get that. Now do I have my doubts that it's competitive? Yes, I do. But I agree that he's the only one bringing this to the table that I think that Canelo hasn't seen. And maybe this is what Kovalev could have brought if he was a little bit younger, a little bit fresher. Um, but this is yeah, this is basically like. What Kovalev was doing, reminds me of what Kovalev was doing when he was in his prime. Just kind of what David Benavides is doing. Now, I would like to have seen him, you know, against higher level guys to get to this point, but that's just not the way the game's working right now. It's not the way everybody's attacking it. Everybody's just waiting for the Canelo payday. So he's going to go into his biggest fight with, you know, not really any great competition, uh, beating no experience of fighting high level guys, and he's going to fight the best guy in the world. Like I said, I have my doubts on whether this fight's competitive, but I think this fight served. But the fight this weekend served its purpose on setting it up and showing that uh, this is a threat and this is uh, something maybe Canelo hasn't seen before. And that's what makes it more interesting. So it was a great, it was a great weekend of fights. Um, you know, they're talking about the, they show the Canelo plant thing again. And it's just funny how like Canelo runs boxing right now. 
and it's funny that you know everything kind of just falls back to the story. You know, like Mangia and all the guys they're matched up with, and they're like, you know, his opponents are like, well, they're not going to get a Canelo fight, so they should fight. <laughs> you know, they should all fight each other. And I was just thinking about the cards, like the UFC puts on a card. So it was a great, you know, great fight, fight of the year for the UFC for MMA. But like boxing's putting on three cards in one night. And I know that people say, like, boxing's hurting and you compare the numbers. But I don't know, like, MMA could do that. Like, I don't know the UFC can put on three cards like that and ha- on three major networks, right? Or, you know, on zone, it's a network that's just based on boxing. I just think that boxing's, like, we're in a really good place. And I think that women's boxing's growing. And I think Canelo's becoming a megastar or is the megastar. And you guys, Tank coming up. You got Earl Spence coming back, hopefully. Terrence Crawford fights next week. I think boxing is a very good place. Very interesting storylines and very big fights coming on, coming forward. I just think, I wish that these guys would start fighting each other or fighting credible opponents to build each other's resume. I, that's the only thing I think that's not consistent enough. But thank goodness for Canelo that he's willing to fight anyone and is going to try to clean out 168 and probably move 175 and do the same. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Ezra Podcast.